What's up, guys? This episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I are just going to knock out a bunch of your listener questions. If you want to take part in the next show, then comment either below or on Patreon. We'll do our best to get to your questions then. This week, we're asked about setting up a once-in-a-lifetime cycle for a guy that just wants to run gear one time. You underestimate the power of the dark side. Then, cycling at high body fat, are there any additional logistics you need to worry about? Is it worth the benefits of doing a post-workout sauna? Anivar, one time a week to help this dude blast through his deadlifts and be as strong as possible. Is that going to work? How long could you theoretically run 350 test? Which DHT is going to provide the most muscle gain? Dealing with high libido on cycle plus Uncle Dave's wisdom at the end and a bunch more. If you're new to our content, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several different bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week featuring IPB pros, various different experienced coaches, educators in our industry. We're all here to give you a bunch of different perspectives so that you can draw your own conclusions versus just being spoon-fed one idea from one person. That's a big part of how I learned, and that's what I want to share with you. All right, guys, let's get to the show. Guys, Dave's had a busy couple days. Normally, I would say Dave hates you, but he went out of his way to record the show anyway when he was real busy. So we're going to make this a quick one. And we got some good stuff, though. We got some good questions. So we're just going to dive right in. By the way, you guys freaking killed it with the last episode. You guys left us a ton of questions. Um, And we're going to start with this one. If you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. Check it out. Great episode, as always. Really digging the gym video tour also. Oh, yeah, I put up a tour in my gym. Um, Question for a future episode. How would you set up a -a once-in-a-lifetime cycle for an otherwise natural athlete who's advanced and has slowed with gains quote safest and quickest protocol for a lasting 10 to 15 pounds of tissue thanks first cycle is the first cycle doesn't matter if it's going to be your only cycle or if you've trained natural for 57 million years it's still the first cycle and it will still be low dose test yeah that's going to be plenty yep and if you're only looking for eight, 10 pounds, that would be more than enough. Um, three, four, five at a touch, mega week. Uh, I'd have probably sat around the three, four mark. Um, eight to 12 weeks, job done. Yeah, I'd go with that. Um, you know, 10 to 12 pounds for an, a guy who is advanced. I mean, who knows how he's going to respond, but I would say 10 to, or 10 to 15 lasting pounds from one cycle. I do think that is a, a good amount to ask. I, I think, though, if you're an experienced trainer and your diet and training has undergone 10, 20, 30 years of natural refinement, then they're the, the sort of best candidate for, in the sense of getting the most out of their first cycle. Because I would agree. Everything else, everything else is f***ing nailed. You know, most guys go on cycle and they're still learning what works for them training-wise or even just how to train in the first place. Absolutely. They're still learning what diet and and how, you know, KFC chicken isn't really a good source for your chicken and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's you know, the guys that genuinely feel if they're eating chicken, doesn't matter where it comes from, then that's fine as a protein source. And obviously we learn as time goes on, not really. But, you know, these are... These are all things that people go through. Um, Did you ever eat KFC chicken as your main chicken source? No, but I I do 
remember eating baked beans as my carb source. Okay. I mean, they're not terrible for you, right? Oh, they're they have really sugar? Like, Do they have like, sugar yeah, in high, them? High, high sugar, yeah. Okay. I had a client who um, I told him to eat sweet potatoes, and um, he was you getting... Put your on them. <laughs> nah, man. He was getting these cans. It was called Bruce's Candied Yams. And, <laughs> and we were dieting, like dieting for a show, dieting. And he was like, yeah, I switched to sweet potatoes, and I, I just feel like I'm getting fuller. And I, I don't know. They're, they're doing something different than the rice did, man. I, I don't know. And I was like, uh, yeah, what kind of sweet potatoes are you eating? And then he sent me a picture of these candied yams. I was like, did you turn that can over? There's like 60 grams of sugar in these things. He was like two weeks on these things. And we're, we're like seven weeks out from a show, mind you. Like, got to be peeled. And he introduces candied yams. But, hey, you know, we figured it out, thankfully. And he did come in shape. Um, I got another follow-up for question for you on this, Dave. <coughs> He says, so he's a natural guy. He's been training all this time. Now he's going to kind of dip his toes into the dark side. He's going to do this one and only cycle. We've talked about this before, but after you've done that one and only cycle, how many times do guys actually stop from there? It's not common. Um, I Unfortunately, once you've tasted the dark side, it is hard <laughs> to stay back. You underestimate the power of the dark side. Um... The thing is, you know, once you, particularly when you've had decades of, so a lot will depend on him as well, actually, and what his mindset is in his achievement. If he has a, a, a goal point yeah, where it's like, I just want to get to there and I'm done, then we're good. Um, and that's possible. It is possible that one cycle would definitely be all he would do. But, a lot of people, particularly with a history of natural training, you know, they, they've fought for every pound they've gained. And then all of a sudden, they're taking this magic sauce and the pounds are flying on and they feel good and they're stronger than they've ever been. Particularly if someone's older and you've got the addition there of age and lowering testosterone levels into that combination as well. And, yeah, I mean, it is difficult to go back to you know, a couple of pounds a year when you've suddenly had three years worth of growth in six weeks or 10 weeks or whatever it was, you know. So it, it is, um, the results are addictive, if nothing else, particularly when we put so much effort into it. And we, you know, we by nature, I mean, you know, we invent things because we're lazy and we want life to be easier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's our nature. So once you see that, that makes makes life easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And once you see that, then it's kind of like you're like, wait a minute, what? Why didn't I just do this sooner? Like this was what I should have been doing all along. Also, too, yeah. you recognize that like you get through it, and you're like, hey, hold on. So my health, my, all my health markers were still okay. All right. You know, I my my liver didn't fall out. I I didn't die like uh, like they told me I was going to following you know mainstream media. Uh, maybe this isn't as awful as I thought it was. Uh, you know, maybe a little compromise there with your natural test levels and all of that. Uh, but you know, outside of that, man, it's like I think we also see that it's not quite as terrible as we were led to believe. You know. But it it is difficult to go back to normality when you've experienced something that um, boosts you that well. I mean, a real simple example that's not actually steroid related but gets the point. 
I three years ago I bought a new car. Uh, I'd only had it, loved it, absolutely loved this thing. It was amazing, best car I've ever had, etc., etc., etc. Loved it. It was actually quite basic spec for the model of car, uh, but I I loved it. I absolutely cherished it. Uh, two weeks in, someone ran up my back end and smashed into it. Not major damage, but enough. It went away. There were loads of problems getting the replacement parts, so the dealership, well, actually, the brand gave me a courtesy car, which was same model as in size of car, etc., but was spec to the f***ing hill. Like loaded, had all the features. Everything you could think of. Every optional <laughs> extra in the catalogue ever invented was in this thing. Yeah. I ended up with that car for literally two months. Okay. I got my new car back, and it was <laughs> You're like, this piece of crap, it doesn't even have the, you know, the auto features and the this and the that. Yeah, I hear you. That's why I've never in my life, well, I'm also, I, I can't afford to, but I've never flown first class. Like, I'm talking, I've done, like, the upgraded stuff where you get the wide seats and, you know, they bring a, a warm towel, damp towel to you and stuff at the beginning of the flight. But I've never done the, like, way up front first class that costs, like, 900 extra dollars. Because once I do, I know that I would never want to ever go back to coach or or whatever else again, you know, business again. And the thing is, it 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 for a very very long time. I mean, it really did. <laughs> was that the car? Was that the car that you that you drove me around in when I was visiting? Yeah. That's a nice car too, man. That's a cool yeah. car that you have. Dave drives real fast, by the way, guys. Like I'm going to tell you, I don't know if he was just showing off because his friend was in town, but Dave drove real fast when I was in the oh, car with I, him. I, I, I was a little scared. Fast. I was a little so scared. You're telling me I drive fast compared to Alex. I wouldn't put it this way. No, first of all. <laughs> but I, I, I just, I, I didn't feel very safe. Uh, it, I just thought to myself, I'm in a different country. If this goes sideways, which it could, those corners were very tight. Uh, this is not going to be a good thing. This is not going to be a good story to have to tell on the podcast. But anyway, we have a bunch more stuff. I'm just going to jump to the next question. Uh, and if he does run that cycle... I want to hear about it, and let's hear about what happens afterwards. So we'll be hearing from him in, you know, 20 weeks or so. Um, okay, so Gio, he says he's on his third cycle. He's running it right now. His test dose is 300. Primo dose is 200. He says, does that sound right? And he also adds, I'm at 30% body fat plus. All right. What do you think of that? Just put it back up again. Okay, yeah, sorry. I, 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 for some reason, I misread it and I thought there was a third compound. And then I thought, well, I can't see what the third compound is. Mm. Um, from, a, from a, I mean, body fat percentage is high. Uh, yeah. It's not let's not beat around the bush but uh, and as a result that's going to be impacting the effectiveness of these drugs um but i mean doses are sensible it's not high he's probably gonna need some estrogen management if he's on 300 tests with 200 primo and he's a fat person like me um because his conversion rate is going to be much higher uh, it comes with the territory for being fat 
um, his drug metabolism is going to be higher as well. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not one to generally say up the dose, but I'd probably be tempted to either bring Primo up to a one-to-one or, or add in some low-dose aromacin or something like that just to keep an eye on that estrogen because at 30-plus body fat, your conversion is going to be high and you really don't want to have a higher estrogen than you need to have. It's only going to add to the condition issue if you've already got. I get that, you know, being in condition, it's everybody's priority, was never mine. But there is a limit to what's reasonable. Um, excess weight, when you start getting into the 30-plus percent, um, is putting a lot of extra strain on you that you're also going to get higher water retention, you're going to get higher yeah. estrogen, you're going to get all these extra factors that are going to push that weight even more. So your drugs will be more efficient at lower body fat levels. You'll get better results at lower body levels. But I get that dieting is not for everyone thing. Really, really do. But just make sure you're on top of your cardio and stuff like that so at least you're fit at that level of body fat and we've not got added health concerns because you're unfit with carrying high body fat as well. Yeah. I'll add this too. Um, I'm not sure what his goals are. Uh, If he's just trying to like grow muscle and he doesn't care that he's at 30% and that's okay Mm -hmm. by him, then more power to him. You know, that said... Um, if somebody were to come to me to work with me and they were 30% plus body fat, getting on a cycle would not be my first priority. You know, um, in order to lose fat, in order to get into shape, one of the biggest key factors is time. You know, how long do we have? Uh, if, if you want to be absolutely peeled for a show, um, your big factor is going to be time. You know, do, do you have seven weeks to do it? Do you have 20 weeks to do it? Because if you have 20 weeks and you're not like at 30%, then we could probably get you absolutely peeled for that show. But that same person at seven weeks, you know, we we don't have enough time. So you're going to have to, if you do want to get into shape, you're going to need to diet longer than you'll be able to run the cycle for, you know? So you'll have to understand that this may have to go in phases, that you, you know, that the gear itself isn't really a huge benefit to you. Whereas... You know, your cardio, your training, fat burners would be an option uh, to, to help speed this process up. You need to get that all moving. And I, I the only place I'd see gear as being helpful is that I do find gear to be motivational. Like when you get on cycle, then you feel like, yeah, I feel you feel that dopamine's hitting you and you feel more aggressive in the gym and you're more on track and all of that. And that that helps. But just understand that those the, the gear itself isn't losing fat for you. Well, I mean, this is, you know, at the end of the day, at 30 plus percent body fat, is your aim is just to be bigger and stronger? Fine. Just bear in mind that the extra fat does put extra pressure on your cardiovascular system and your health. And just bear in mind, estrogen conversion is going to be higher than a person who's leaner. And also the fact that you will lose some of the effectiveness of the gear because fat has androgen receptors. Yeah. Um, so that needs to be in consideration as well. If your goal is to go on cycle to lose weight as a muscle supportive function that or muscle preservation, you're not really at risk of losing muscle mass at 30% body fat. Yeah. So muscle mass loss is not going to be concerned to your much leaner. So you could diet and then start the cycle further into the diet. Um, 
However, if your goal is I just want to drop 10% and I want to get strong at the same time, well, yeah, you're probably going to achieve that quite comfortably with that and where you are. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of it does depend on what you're trying to achieve. You know, where do you want to be with this? Uh, but just bear in mind, gear is going to put weight on you and the chubbier you are, excuse me a second, let me sit down with um, the more bad weight is going to combine there. So uh, it's just better, just a factor worth considering. All right. Amazing show as always. As always. Uh, I love Dave's wisdom at the end of the show. I really appreciate you both so much. I have a question if you don't mind answering for me, please. Uh, it's more of the stuff side rather than the drugs. I was wondering your thoughts on heat as in usage of a sauna or a hot shower after training. I've heard how cold as in form of an ice bath can blunt growth from training for hypertrophy if applied post-training. Uh, will heat blunt my growth for hypertrophy if applied post-training? Thank you, guys. The biggest issue, I would say, with heat, like saunas and, and stuff, foes, workout is fatigue uh, and dehydration. Yeah. So generally, most people come out of a workout dehydrated. Very few people actually manage to stay hydrated in a workout, irrespective of how much fucking water you drink. You've usually got the full day afterwards before you fully hydrate back up again. So you're not going to come out of a workout as hydrated as you went into it. Add to that, going into a heat source that's going to create sweat and post. Dehydration is going to be an issue. Um, it's going to increase bodily stress, uh, and heat will add to the fatigue. I, I used to jump in a hot tub very often after training, the idea being that it would help relax and improve blood flow and everything else. And what I found was I was just getting more and more fatigued because, <laughs> of, because of the heat of the hot tub. And uh, it was okay when I turned it down, but then it was much milder in temperature, full stop. Yeah. So then it was like, well, it's not really having that deep heating effect because it's much cooler now, but it had to be much cooler, otherwise I felt fucked. Yeah. So that's all worth bearing in mind. So I don't think there's any real benefit to it. Um, it might be enjoyable to relax and such like, but I personally never been a big sauna fan. I've always found them counterproductive. Uh, I've always found that the rehydration post sauna was always incredibly difficult to keep on top of. Yeah. People feel they, sometimes I've had people tell me like, oh, you know, I've been going in the sauna post-workout and I, it makes me feel tighter. And yeah, because it's just a water change, but it's it's not a permanent thing. You're not, you know, sometimes we start thinking that like that added heat, we're sweating, we're going to lose fat and there is no fat loss to be had. There is, however, an increase. They've, they've done studies on this now and post-workout, use the sauna, growth hormone will increase. Now that said, it's, I don't think we're going to notice a difference. Like, I don't think that if you want to get growth hormone post-workout, I would take it in the form of a shot to get any kind of real benefit from growth hormone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. What else have we got here? Um, got a few of them here. What's this guy have to say? He says, uh, my goal is to deadlift as much as possible. Doing deadlifts once a week. Uh, what do you think to boost deadlift by using halotestin and Anivar as a pre-workout once a week. Right now, he's using Test E, 500 milligrams per week. Is that going to be beneficial for my lift? And how long can I run it that way? Thanks. And then he puts an alien face emoji in there. 
I don't like the Anivar one time a week thing. I I personally don't think that that's going to do much for you. Uh, Halo testing, yeah, it'll give you some strength. What do you think? Didn't ask me. He asked you. He said, "Hey, Scott." Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm asking you, Dave. Hey, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Halo as a one time, yes, you'll get a boost. Uh, Anavar as a one time, uh, yeah, not going to see much from it. Not, not in a way of a strength boost, unless you're taking big doses. Yeah, um, you, so, you could run uh, it all week, and that would help, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Halo, I think would 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 definitely have an impact. Yes, yeah, definitely. And how long could he do that for once a week? If he's doing it once a week, he's yeah, probably going to get away with it for quite a while, to be fair. I mean, um, it's it's not going to have a huge toxicity buildup at once a week. Yeah, look at your labs, you know. Maybe after like six weeks, five weeks, look at your labs and see what your liver values are. But I bet they'd be like mildly right. elevated, you know. Yeah, I think you're probably going to get just as much stress as going out for a couple of pints on a Friday night. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you for all your help and all your support with doing this show. Uh, if you're on YouTube, leaving comments, stuff like that. Of course, subscribing, that helps. If you're on iTunes, if you could leave us a good five-star review, that definitely makes a difference for other people being able to find our programming. And thank you to everybody from Patreon. You guys are legitimately, like, together. All of you giving $5 or $10 per month. It literally has created a small income so that I can do this full-time. Thank you to our first and original sponsor true nutrition they believed in us before anybody else did which i'm so grateful for and it's a great it's a great marriage because they have supplements that i've believed in and that i've suggest long before they had anything to do with our programming that's why i asked them to be a part of it use our code think over there get some additional savings on supplements that you can trust in the uk check out strom sports nutrition they've got some really awesome health stacks some performance stuff too. Uh, if you're in the UK, definitely check out Strom. Tell them that we sent you. And of course, supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. I mean, some of their deals are just absolutely crazy. They'll be like on label changes or overstock products. You might get like a, a granite supplement for 20 bucks. So definitely check them out if you're in Canada. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. So thank you guys for watching. Let's get back to the program. Ooh, I like this one from Fake Natty. Yes, Scott and Dave. Question for the next show. How long, in theory, could one run testosterone at 350 milligrams per week? He says, I presume the answer is measured in years, not months. You could run it as long as you want. Is it going to cause you problems? Potentially. Yeah. I ran high TRT for a period of time. Like, not real TRT. I cruised, I should say, at 300. And uh, when I did that... I ended up with, that's when I started getting high hematocrit issues. So, you know, there's that. And then you're dumping blood and then you're trying to fight that. It's just a hassle. And then I found keep your levels in range and you're much better off, you know? Yeah, I mean, from a, a health implication, over time it's going to develop some problems, low HDL, thick blood. I find a lot of people as well that do the old Miller Week TRT, yeah, actually absolutely. start to complain when they start getting into like 12, 18 months of it, they start to actually complain that libido mm. has dropped, fatigue has increased, and they don't actually really feel many benefits from it. Yeah, And you generally find when you pull them back down and you drop them back down into natural ranges, be it upper end of, that they feel 10 times better and libido comes back even though the balance of test and estrogen at the highest stuff was fine. 
there just tends to be a buildup of stresses that start to become negative. Dude, uh, it, I thought that on. like it would keep my strength higher and that I would be able to build more between cycles. But the reality was, man, I, I honestly, I didn't see a difference after being on that for an extended time. No, I, I don't think there is either. I think all you end up doing is feeling shittier. I was like, I was afraid to bring it down because I was like, oh, well, no, this is how much I take now. You know, I honestly well, was. A lot of guys do, and they'll justify it with a million excuses. Oh, I'm an athlete. Oh, I yeah. carry more muscle mass or this or that or whatever. Fuck me, at 350, I could actually come off <laughs> and stay off for months and go back on and not really lose any muscle size. So don't give me that bullshit. It's paranoia. It's anxiety. You know, I get it, but let's just be honest about what it is. And I'm not judgmental in that, but let's just be honest about what it is and where it is. You know, you don't come off because you're scared. Yeah, I mean, that was um, the truth for me. Yeah, and I get it. I mean, I, I went through stages of fear, apprehension, lack of identity when everything hmm. stopped. And... And, it, and I'd even planned that I was going to stop. It was always part of what was going to happen. But even when it happened, it was it was very much, all right, it happened abruptly because of health, but it was still very much a bit of a shock. And even now, you know, six, seven years down the line, I, I can be at events and every now and again, there'll be a little pang because I see someone who's particularly large or particularly strong or I see someone in gym training particularly hard and it's like, yeah. Um, I wish I still could, but the reality of it, I, I don't miss the food. I don't miss the the problems that came with it. So, uh, you know, it's it's everything has its pluses and minuses. There is no perfection with this. Um, you you will you will have periods of time. Um, what's his name? Who plays Forrest Gump? Tom Hanks. He he he's. I saw him in an interview and he was saying that the best piece of advice he was given was that everything will pass. And it's true. Yeah. You know, shit and good times will always pass. And that's that feeling of feeling amazing because you're on cycle or feeling amazing because you're on a high TRT will pass. It won't stay there. Um, but in the same way, the feelings of insecurity when you come off and the fear of, of muscle loss will pass given enough time. All right, guys, we got to keep the show short today because Dave, is, uh, he's got a lot going on. But we've got a couple more here that we'll get through, and then uh, we will turn Dave loose. Uh, question for the next episode, which DHT is the best muscle builder per milligram, excluding Anadrol? In my experience, Winnie and Mass do F all for muscle building, while VAR does a little bit. I've never used Primo, and so I can't comment on that. I would say injectable DHT, probably mast. I like mast. No, I think mast is far more effective at muscle building than Prima. I like mast overall. That's a good one. And I think there's far more effectiveness out of injectables than there is orals. So there you go. What about now had a guy who pinned his chest. Here it is. All right. Question for the next one. I pinned my chest and I got a huge gyno flare up uh, a day later. Could this be because the test I pinned, um, although mid pack, the oil went down toward the gland? And if that is so, I've heard people using a topical DHT due to its anti E properties. So they don't have to abuse 
so much Nova or Romicin, um, couldn't one theoretically inject a DHT like Masteron in, uh, near or around the gland to clear up a flare up faster? That's not quite right. Uh, so first of all, I don't think it was gyno at all. Uh, the conversion rates, well, first of all, is not that high unless he was he was putting in base or prop. Uh, and secondly, I think what it is more like to be is information and water, and the water has gone to where the fat is, and the fat is around the nipple. Yeah, because I mean that that testosterone has to convert to estrogen. It's not all taking place at the site of the shot. You know what I mean? So ju just what happens, your test goes into the muscle. Yeah. It then seeps from the muscle in a depot action, which is why it's called a depot shot, into the bloodstream. And it then circulates the body. Uh, when it enters the bloodstream, it can, and, and, even, and in muscle tissue at that point, but this process of entering the bloodstream is relatively quick. It can attach to SHBG and be moved around the body. It can attach to albumin and be moved around the body. It can be attached to globulin. It can attach to aromatase and convert to estrogen. It can then attach to an ER. It can kind of attach to an AR. Once it's done its job, it will be released from the AR and it will fuck off in the bloodstream again. And it can attach to another AR or it can attach to 5-alpha reductase and turn to DHT, which can then attach to an AR or it can attach to aromatase and turn into estrogen. They can then attach to an ER. So there's all these processes going on and these hormones are coming transported all over the body and changing all the time. And it continues to be used and abused until the point where it dies. Uh, and there you go. That's it. So it doesn't sit in that area. Yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of science that said there may be a very, very slight uptake in androgen receptor saturation in the injection area, but they don't feel that there's any real-world benefit from that or any carryover to increase muscle mass. So I suspect that if you've got swelling around the nipple or irritation, it is water or it is inflammation from the shot being in the pec, and that's it. And the inflammation just come out at the area where it's most malleable, which would be around the nipple where the highest level of body fat is stored. Yeah, or maybe he was just going to get gyno anyway, regardless mm -hmm. of where he took the shot, you know. There is, there is coincident as well, yes. Uh, regarding DHT creams, DHT creams are used in the nipple topically because they help almost like Novodex in blocking the receptor. Um, it's not used as a, a as a localized estrogen control in the way you think. And it wouldn't work with various forms of DHT either. Hmm. Um, so mass is a DHT, but it's not like DHT that's naturally derived from testosterone. Primo is a DHT, but it's not like DHT that's derived from testosterone. They are modifications of the base DHT compound which is why they act slightly differently. Their, their properties are changed, so they act differently in a way. The idea was that you'd create a DHT drug that didn't convert to estrogen, but was a bit more selective around the tissues it affected. So it would minimize hair loss or it would minimize prostate enlargement and stuff like that. That's what these journeys into DHT were to create. Uh, Primo being the most sophisticated and the most successful as not influencing other areas. Uh, obviously, they are anti-estrogenic. They do bind with um, aromatase, uh, but they also bind with receptors as well. They have a high binding affinity, which is part of what they do. Right. Um, 
But your DHT cream is used as a localized blocker, um, not in the way you're thinking of just switching off aromatization in that area. It wouldn't work like that because estrogen would still circulate into the area because that's still being pushed around your body by your bloodstream like everything else is. Right. I forgot about Carl. Carl had been waiting three weeks for this one. He's from Patreon. He said, well, you're not hey, very good then, are you? Well, somebody wasn't available to record last week or we would have gotten it then. He said, uh, hey, Scott, um, I've got the same question regarding TRT. Uh, I finally got tested and I was at 186. My doctor conservatively started me at 100 milligrams every 14 days. Now I'm 160 weekly, um, but my test is still around 550. My doctor says that this kind of level is okay as this is about normal, not muscle. This is about health, not muscle building. Uh, I've started taking the entire one milliliter, 200 milligram dose. Uh, I'm due for bloods in a few months, but my last bloods were great as my BP. Um, any risk to taking the little extra? I just don't want, uh, I just don't see the point in taking a jab to have mediocre test levels. Getting my test to 800, 900 seems to be safe from all I've read. So in regards to your doctor, your doctor's job is to medicate you for health, not to medicate you for lifestyle. And in that sense, 550 is fine. No, it's probably not going to give you the best quality of life that you would get from a higher test level but it's perfectly adequate from a health point of view. I don't think you're going to have major issues at the 8-900 range. You might find some mild blood thickening long-term, and you might need to look at a bloodlet every sort of third or fourth month, potentially. That would depend on your own natural genetics and how you tolerate the drug. But other than that, I don't see there being any major issues. The only issue you're potentially going to get is your doctor going, hang on a minute, these are too high for your dosing. Yeah. Why are they here? <clears throat> I'm going to reduce or restrict your prescription. Yeah. Like if he um, sees high hematocrit and he's like, well, you're only using 100, you know, every two weeks and you've got high hematocrit, you have a bad reaction to taking that small amount of testosterone. We should probably take you off of it or use less, you know? Or put you on, or put you on gel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, the only the only real negative I see from that is how your doctor is going to react to your test levels. Um, I still think the dosage and usage is quite quite reasonably sensible, but it will just depend on how you tolerate the higher levels from a point of view of HDL lowering and, and blood thickening and stuff like that. Or an estrogen as well. Yeah. All right, last one here. Nuclear gains spelled with four u's uh, i really love this episode my question is few heavy cycles versus more healthier cycles uh, a newbie can start when bulking like test trend trend or nangelone uh at at then reach a desired size especially when they are younger because they can recover faster instead of running mild compounds like low test primo var eq and save them for when they're older or when they have their desired mass um is this way you will be able to is this a way that you would be able to have a few heavier cycles in doing low cycles 
sorry, I'm having a hard time with his uh, let his words here, think, but you get the I point think what he's here. Yeah, I think what he's basically saying is, do you do a few heavy cycles to gain mass, or do you do more, right? Less intox. <sighs> it's relative, um, and it's not a question that can be generalized. It's very much relative to the person. However, I do think that there is a move in general within usage at the moment to go, oh, I'm super healthy because I only use Primo and then end up doing a gram and a half of this shit and do five cycles when you could have actually got where you wanted in one or two cycles of Deca. And it's not so much that the doses are higher, just that the drugs themselves are a bit more stronger. Yeah, you've been so, asking this yourself. Like you asked this maybe a month or so ago, which would be, you know, better. And you, it sounds yeah. like you've thought about it some more. So to me, I, I just like using, and I'm going to pinch this of Broderick, and I've pinched it a lot of times, and I will continue to do so. So copyright Broderick. But I like using the right tool for the right fucking job. And at the end of the day, if I want to bulk and I want to use masks, then I'm going to use drugs that, lend themselves to bulking. I'm going to be test and decker. I'm going to be oxys or D-balls, those sort of drugs. If I don't want to put on bags of mass and I want a more slow burn lean again, for whatever reason that may be, then I'm going to go with, you know, something like mast and test. And if I want a really light natured, more muscle preserving cycle that I'm not going to see real good progress muscular wise, I'm going to look more towards Primo. But there where I'm at, if I want an appetite boost and EQ helps me that way, then I'd look to EQ. You know, if I want more strength-based and I want that hardening, then I'm probably going to go more towards trend based on how I feel on trend. Um, Or if I'm in power ranges, I'll possibly look at trend or men. These are all the drugs I'd consider there. So I, I think it's just a case of whatever you want to do. Um, I don't think you need to run, and I don't think high-dose cycles is the answer to gaining mass. I think it's more around drug selection. Um, in the same way, you know, is is 600 of DECA and three 400 of TEST in a cycle healthier than a gram and a half total of being Primo and TEST? Probably, actually, to be fair, yes. Um, but it, it's... There's no free ride with this. Whatever choice you go down, if you go for a milder acting drug from a progress point of view, you're going to use to use more of it. And if you go from a, a stronger drug from a progress point of view, you can get away with using less. But they both can have health impacts one way or another. With Primo, it's more around cholesterol mismanagement. With, with Deca, it's, it's other factors like blood pressure and things like that. So... You know, that each has their costs. It's about selecting the right drug for the right job for you. And that takes into account what you want to achieve, what your experience is with drugs and using them, and how many risks you're willing to take and where your health currently is and what your risk factors are regarding your health. All right. Man, we keep this guy keeps putting this question up. He's got a high libido uh, and he's, he's at 300 tests, 600 mass weekly. He said uh, calories and carbs are quite low. Libido is way out of hand, and my girlfriend is losing her patience with my shenanigans. Any parting tips for this guy? Masturbation. 
yeah, it's about the only thing you got on your side, you know? Don't do anything Fuck. stupid. Don't do anything stupid. That's all I got to say, you know? Masturb- masturbation. Become a wanker. <laughs> what's that? Uh, what's that? That I, I spy with my little eye. Uh, it looks like a um, Father's Day book in the background. What is that? It's, it, it's a card, actually. Yeah, it's from a daughter. Okay. I just haven't taken it down and thrown it in the bin yet. <laughs> you haven't thrown it in the bin yet? Don't you don't save uh, like the precious moments like that? No, no. Um, and uh, any dad advice for us before we part? Oh, wait a second. Hold on. I got your theme song here, Dave. Um, <coughs> here we go. And now Dave's. I think you'll like this music too. Oh, there we go. Dave's dad advice of the week. Am I to speak over this, or is it going to stop? <laughs> Hopefully that's not copyright music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're the, you're the screwed monetization again. Um, <laughs> no, the F word that you said 32 times on this episode is going to screw us, but there. Oh, off. Um, <laughs> right, so... You hear things or you will hear things like, do a job you enjoy and never work a day in your life. Make what you're passionate about your career. And though it is nice to enjoy a job, that is the biggest pile of bullshit that was ever thrown out of anyone's mouth. You may enjoy your job. You may enjoy what you do. Very often hobbies are ruined by making them jobs because they then are no longer pressurable. So bear in mind that if you create a hobby into a career, make sure you're ready for the hard work because the enthusiasm will wane and the only thing that will keep you going is discipline. Yeah. You will not want to get up. You will not want to go to work. You will do it because you have to. And if you ever want to achieve anything in life, discipline is going to be your biggest ally in getting forward. And that is just the get up, and get it done. It's not always going to be fun. You're going to hate it some days, but you get the job done, and that consistency is how you move forward. I found that the worst thing I can do is get up and think about what I have to do. Hmm. I just get up and do it. Are you talking yeah, to yourself right it. now? Because I know you're having a busy few day, a busy week or two here. Are you talking to your? No. Is this a pep talk for yourself right now, Dave? It's okay no, if it is. The, not at all, not at all, because I just get up and get on with it anyway. It's just I, I don't have a choice. Yeah. The volume of work makes me no choice but to get up and get on with it. But I think a lot of people, when you start thinking about what you could do and start giving you choices, you'll start to procrastinate. You'll look at your phone. You'll start getting lost yeah. in reels and doom scrolling and everything else. Get up, get on with it, and be very zonal. Um, this is something that I struggle with still is be zonal in what you do. So uh-huh. yeah. there is a work time, there is a family time, or there is a relaxed time. And be quite disciplined in the fact that you keep those boundaries. Because a lot of us work off our phones, especially in coaching and stuff like that, it's very easy for work time to just drag on and on and on and on and on. And you need to turn around and go, no, you know, it's whatever it is, 8 o'clock. I'm done. I'm not looking at my phone anymore for work-related stuff. I'm not answering yeah. the questions anymore because I want to give my divided attention to 
my wife or my kids or my pet hamster or whatever it is you want to do. But that's the point is, is it's very easy to let all these things merge and then the people around you will start to complain you're always working or you're not paying them any attention. So make sure you have disciplined times. But it's important for them to understand as well that, you know, from X to X, I am working. Yeah. So fuck off and let me work. I think you're right, Dave. I think I, I, I the idea I, that said, I do love what I do, but it is still work. And you are right. It still takes discipline. I don't like sit down every day and be like, oh, I can't wait. Like, I, I, I have to do it. You know what I mean? Because like, it's my job. But if it were something that I really didn't care about, then it really would suck. So I still think there is benefit to doing what you oh, love, I'm, but it I'm, doesn't make I'm, it easy. No, <laughs> that's no, that's true. what my point is. I'm saying that. And the thing is, when you enjoy what you do, you will put more effort into it and you'll be more conscientious about doing the job well. When you dislike what you do, you'll do the slack ass just to get it out of the way. And that's the other thing. You know, I put the jobs I hate to the beginning of the day. Huh. And get them done. So I've got three, I've got three research papers I need to critique tomorrow. Huh? I was supposed to do them today, but it's like, no, they're getting done at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning because I'll be fresh and yeah. I'll wrap through them in no time. If I do them now, they're going to be a sack of shit. I'm not going to get them right. Well, that was good. And we're glad we could squeeze this episode in. Guys, we even recorded on a different day because Dave was too busy yesterday. Uh, and uh, yeah, man. Oh, by the way, too, Pillars of Strength, has that started up yet? Or are you still taking new no. people? I'm still taking new people. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm taking on. I've 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 got client space uh, for coaching, and I've got space on the course. Okay. Um. I'm. I am. I've just got a lot going on outside of work at the moment, which is just causing me some grief. But it's all getting sorted. Good. Good. Um, yeah, I've got client spaces always too. I think we both always do. You know what I mean? If you ever want to reach out to us, you can reach out to Dave. Uh, I'll have his uh, social media linked below. And if you're in Holland, your seminar is going to be coming up pretty soon. That's another Thanks. week or two. Next weekend, yes. Next, Next weekend. weekend. So what's the date on that about? Uh, it's Sunday the 9th of July, and we are at Total Muscle, I think it's called, in okay. Fairdama. Okay, cool. And, uh, of course, go to our great sponsors. Check out Strong Sports Nutrition for those of you in the UK. Um, you can get great health supplements, great health stacks from them. They've got some good performance stuff, too. Of course, True Nutrition, they're our title sponsor. Use our code THINK to help support our programming and get some great supplements from them. Uh, sport, uh, excuse me, supplementsource.ca from Canada. Uh, great health supplements and performance supplements, all their stuff. They have great deals that change week to week. Thank you to Patreon. I got some of your Patreon questions in. We didn't have enough time to get through everything, though, unfortunately. We'll save these questions. We'll get through them next time. If you guys have any questions, definitely comment below. And, uh, of course, if you're new to our content, be sure to subscribe and hit the bell, all of that, because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. For another episode of Drugs and Stuff, wait a second, wait a second, for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland your favorite British guy, and me, oh, wait, and me, Scott McNally, we'll see you soon. <laughs>